everyone. Good morning. Today is Baptism Sunday. We're going to talk about baptisms, and then we're going to go do baptisms. I'm going to speak today uh, about baptisms. We're going to get pretty serious today, talking about the death of Jesus, talking about the resurrection of Jesus, pretty theologically heady. So I thought I would begin with a joke. Is that okay? I am a dad... And so I really like, I don't just like, I love dad jokes. You don't have to be a dad. But does anybody else like dad jokes? I see those hands. There's some people that like dad jokes. I would tell you the one about the piece of paper, but I couldn't possibly tell you that one in church because it's terrible. (laughs) I don't even hear some of you laughing. I went to the doctor a little while ago. He said, you're losing your hearing. That was really hard news to hear. <laughs> ah, I got chicken. Here's the joke. It's, it's kind of a dad joke. I'll tell it, and you're like, it's not that funny. But some dad jokes aren't really funny. They're meant to just get you thinking. So way back in college, me and a friend, we would just always, at a baptism service, kind of say this joke. And maybe you've heard me say it before because I've used it again and again and again. I think it's really funny in my head, and it kind of makes you think. So after someone gets baptized... No matter how warm it is, and today it was windy. Uh, Was anybody else woken up by the wind this morning? I've been up since like three drinking coffee, so I am, I am fired up right now. And and some of that's the wind, some of that's the baptism service. But we'll do a baptism service, and no matter how warm the water is, and by the way, uh, the water's really warm out there. It's almost hot tub temperature. So we'll baptize. And so when someone gets up gets up out of the water, no matter how warm the water was, they'll just be a little cold. Because they're out of the water waiting to, you know, get dry and stuff. And so I'll go up to this person and say, hey. And they'll say, hey. And I'll say, do you know why you're cold? (laughs) And they're like, what? What are you even talking about? And I'll say, you're cold because you just died. (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, yeah, that's... That's what we think about baptism. When you go down into the water, you spiritually die. You, you mysteriously somehow are united with Christ's death. And then you come up out of the water and you're mysteriously connected, united with Christ's resurrection. So what I want you to know this morning, seriously, all jokes aside, is really one thing with two parts. The title of this this sermon is, Baptism Connects Us with Jesus' Death and Resurrection. That's what I want you to know. If you leave here and someone says, hey, what does New Life think about baptism? Baptism. What is baptism? Or, or if you got baptized, if you get baptized today and someone's like, well, what's that all about? You can tell them two things. Well, it's a connection. It's uniting with Christ, both in his death and then with his resurrection. And I want to show you in the word of God where this it directly comes out of a passage. If you have a Bible or if you want to look at your own Bible, there's Bibles in the baskets there. You could turn to the New Testament Turn to the book of Romans. It's Paul's letter to the churches at Rome. And we're going to look specifically at Romans chapter 6. Now, if you just want to turn your attention to the screen, we'll put it there as well. But we're going to be starting in Romans 6, 
chapter 6, verse 3. And once you get there, would you stand with me as we read from the Word of God? And with all of Paul's writings, you really got to take it a little, uh, you got to take this slow. I'm going to read this slowly. I'm going to have you repeat back a couple things because what's going on here is very, very, very dense. This is some hard stuff here to understand. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he's already halfway through a thought, and he says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, everyone say baptized, all of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Everyone say death. That's what we were baptized into his death. Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. That's the name of this church. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Everyone say resurrection. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. And so, Lord, we we pray this simple prayer that we would understand, we would be connected, we would be united with you this morning, and as, as we walk out our lives through this day, through the months, the years to come, Lord, that we would be united and understand your death, that we would be united and understand your resurrection. Both of these things are in us, united with your death, united with your resurrection. Lord, help us understand this profound mystery. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou on this windy day, shouted, Amen. All right, you may be seated. So we already did a joke. Let me now do something we often do. Some of you know what this is. It's a nerd alert. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, here we go. So a nerd alert, if you're new to this congregation, a nerd alert, don't do it yet. I haven't done it yet, is is something we do. It's really, let's be honest. It's just something I do, and you all kind of join with me in my silliness. But it's to raise awareness that we, we love, as a church, to learn from the Word of God. We love to go deeper exegesis, exegesis, hermeneutics, learning the Greek, the Hebrew, learning the background, author, audience, genre. We would say these are really important things to understanding the text of Scripture. Next week, we're going to start a new sermon series on the book of 1 Timothy, and we will have all kinds of nerd alerts because we'll, at the beginning of a series, we'll go through uh, the background, who the author is, who's it written to, that kind of thing. But the nerd alert today, we're going to talk about the Greek word for baptism. So if you know what to do, nerd alert. Okay, that's good. Thank you. The Greek word for baptism is, anybody know? Baptizo, good job. I heard a couple answers over here. Baptizo is kind of the root word for baptism. And people in the ancient world, if you were in the Greek-speaking world, the Koine, ancient Greek world, you would say something like, instead of washing or immersing something, instead of uh, dipping or washing or rinsing, you would use this word, baptizo. So someone in the ancient world could say something like, after lunch, I'm going to go baptizo these 
dishes. And what do you mean? You mean you're going to go wash the dishes. Now, if someone today in English said, after lunch, I'm going to go baptize these dishes, you ever, you ever, you're like, what do you mean? You're going to do a little religious ceremony? Like in our minds, this word baptism is for a religious ceremony. But it was, just to let you know, a common word back, th- back then. And it had this understanding, this root of you're going to change something from, from dirty to clean. If you baptizo something, you're washing it thoroughly. You're not just quickly, you know, rinsing it to go put in the dishwasher later. No, the baptizo idea is that you're changing it from clean to dirty, which is this concept today as we think about baptism, whether you're getting baptized today, whether you've been baptized, whether you're contemplating baptism in the future, or whether you're just maybe just wondering, like, what is this thing, baptism? We want you to know that it changes. Like, it's a sacrament that it, it means something. There's a mystery here where we say we look to Christ and he has changed us in this process of baptism, in the, in the, in the um, coming to understanding, coming to faith in Jesus. When we're baptized, we, we would say that we, we are united with Christ in his death and then we're united with him in his resurrection. So the first point, there's only two points today. I know, I know, many of you expect and demand a three-point sermon today, but once again, it's a shorter sermon because we're not just going to talk about baptism. We're going to go out and do baptism. We're going to do it. So keeping the sermon a little shorter today, point one from two points, point one is this. It's the first part of the title, Baptism Connects Us with the Death of Jesus. So going back to the joke that I will say to people getting baptized, I'll probably not use it today because I already told you the joke, but going up to someone who's kind of cold after just getting baptized, I'll say, do you know why you're so cold? And they'll say, what are you talking about? And I'll say, you're so cold because you just died today. And it's like, what? What do you mean? Well, what we mean is these words of Paul that he says that when you're baptized, you die with Christ. You're united or connected in some sacramental way with the death of Christ. Let me reread this passage we've already read because there's a lot here. This is deep stuff. Romans 6, 4, Paul says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And skipping down to verse 6, for we know that our old self, so what dies when we get baptized? What dies when we come to faith? We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we might no longer be slaves to sin. No longer what? No longer slaves to sin. Because he just goes on with this argument, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, I I enjoy the old uh, King James version of the Bible. I've memorized things in the King James. I like the poetry. Uh, Anybody else a fan of the King James? It's a great version. I love it. Very uh, old English. I I, I get into that. The, The old version of this verse says that you need that 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 you're instead of saying the old self was killed it says the old anybody know old man was killed which is kind of like if you're reading along you're like wait 
an old man is killed? Like, what is going on right now? That's probably not the way we would say it in the common vernacular. And so the NIV, other translations are sometimes helpful to like, oh, he's talking about not an old man getting killed, but your old self getting killed, getting crucified with Christ. And we think about this as Christians, that our lives we continually, don't we, die to ourself, we die to an old way, we die to greed, we die to loving ourself, we die to those things so that we can lift up the kingdom of God, so that we can lift up others, so that we can lift up the poor and needy. We self-sacrificially love outside of ourselves to lift the kingdom high, amen? Now, there's. I've, let me tell you a quick story. I... Um, I've been a pastor for quite a while. Uh, the first wedding ceremony that I did as a pastor was like 16 years ago. And I remember being really nervous. Like there's a lot going on in a wedding. Like people come in, you're the one that's got to say something. You got to tell people when to stand or sit. And uh, you got to tell them, you know, just exchange the rings. You got to repeat after me. You got to tell them to kiss the bride. You got you got all this stuff. And so I was really, really nervous. Like, I'd, you know, like if you mess up a sermon, people just kind of leave. And you're like, ah, oh, that was weird. But if you mess up a wedding, like they, you don't want to mess up a wedding, right? So I had all, all these nerves. It's like, what do you do? I mean, how do you even do a wedding? And I remember going to a fellow pastor at New Life, Aaron Stern. Some of you might know him. And he was wonderful. He said, here's, here's my notes. These are kind of New Life's notes on an order of, uh, of a wedding service. He gave me his notes. And ever since then, I've been copying those notes that he gave me. My wedding ceremonies are usually very simple. They go through this pattern and and uh, it's just a very simple wedding where I almost always, I think I, I told someone the other day that I've done, and this might be true, I need to go back and, and double check or I could just be really over-exaggerating right now, but I think I've done a hundred weddings. I was once the, the young adults pastor uh, at New Life Church, and it's usually young adults wanting to get married. So there was like, like you could ask Erica, like there was seasons of our summers, like whole seasons where like three times a month, we were either in a wedding, performing a wedding, going to a wedding. It was just weddings all the time throughout every summer of, of these years of our lives. So anyways, there's this phrase in a wedding that I will say. And I just said this, I did a wedding the week before last, actually married the former mayor of Manitou Springs, which was an honor. They asked me to do their wedding, and I did, and I preached the gospel, and they thanked me. And in that wedding, and I think in every wedding I've done, uh, I've said this phrase, I'll look at the bride and the groom, they'll be standing there, smiling, looking at each other, everyone will be smiling out there, and I'll look at the bride and the groom, and I'll say, today, each of you dies to who you think about first. And I'll, I'll explain. Well, you're, you're devoted you're in your life to now the service of someone else. And what true love is, is a sacrificial love, is a love that, that is willing to die yourself to lift someone else up. So that's what I say at weddings. Like you, today you die which everyone just kind of smiles and listens along. But I mean those words. Like, you're dying today to who you think about first. You're dying yourself for this other person. And I think in our day and age, the, the, the world that we live in, 
you, you get to talking to someone, just, you know, you go, you tell, ask someone uh, what they think, ask someone, you know, life goals, ask someone advice. Uh, outside of the church, you look at the culture today, and most people will either say something or give you advice along these lines. T- tell me if I'm wrong. They'll say, hey, you got to do you. You got to love yourself. You got to uh, find happiness and follow your heart. You got to follow your dreams. You got to do whatever it takes to make you happy, right? Isn't that the kind of, I mean, you hear this in, in, in the common philosophy of our day and age. People very well mean, meaning will say things like, you just follow your heart. Just do yourself. Just, you know, love yourself. You know, make yourself happy. It's all about you, 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 you. People internalize these things, and people give this ad as advice in the world today. And that is very, very, very different than the life, the Christian life of following Christ, isn't it? Like, we don't say, hey, just do whatever it takes to make you happy. You make yourself happy. We would say, we, we strive to die with Christ so that his kingdom can be first. We repeat back the words of John the Baptist. You know this little phrase in the New Testament? John the Baptist says, I must become less and he must become more. We, we think about the words of Jesus where he tells us, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. We think about... Um, the words of Paul, like I've been crucified with Christ. We think about this passage. It says daily in baptism, we think about and are united and connected with Jesus in his death. So what are we dying to when we think about baptism? We think about walking through this life of Christ. We think about dying to ourselves for his kingdom, dying to ourselves to serve others. That's what the life of Christ is all about. And if we just left it there, this, this sermon would be like, yeah, that's pretty depressing. Like, uh, is, is there any good news? Yes, there's some good news. The second part of the sermon, point number two of two is this. Baptism not only connects us with his death, baptism also connects us with Jesus' resurrection. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me read for you this passage once again. This is, I think, now the third time we've read it, and there's still, I could still keep reading this and, and going deeper, meditating on these words that Paul has for us about what baptism is. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says, For if we've been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So in baptism, in our walk with God, we would say that we're united with Christ in his death, that we die to these old ways and old habits, and we are raised anew, and there is new life inside of us. That's the name of our church. We celebrate this idea that there's new life in us, and we are no longer slaves to sin. So let me say two things along this line, and they're both like self-examining questions. So you'll be thinking about your own life and your own self-examination of where you're at with the Lord and in faith and your journey of spirituality. And the first question is this, and, and I'm questioning and self-examining 
alongside of you. So I think about um, this new life idea, that if we've really been dead to Christ and united with him in death, and then we're raised again and we have new life, have you experienced that? Like some people talk about, you know, just coming to church and uh, there's certainly, you know, I think of my childhood, I was, I was raised Catholic, my parents are here, I had perfect attendance for years and years, but I just never, I, I'd never got it in my, like in my heart maybe, I knew it, like I knew I, we went to church and, and how I could have missed it going to church all those Sundays and, and hearing the gospels being read and how I could have missed it, I don't know. But let me just tell you, it's possible to come to church. It's possible to be a part of a faith community and really not have new life inside of you. Like, I, I've been there, so I know that it's possible. And so I'm asking this question, and I realize, I'm looking around and, and knowing this might be a hard question. In fact, you might almost be offended that, that, that here you are, you're in church. What do you mean? Why are you asking me this? But I've been there, and I just know that there is a walk that we can walk in our lives that's just kind of, you know, talking the talk. But, but when there's new life in us, it radically changes our life. Paul talks here about no longer being a slave to sin. So the first question I have for you in your own self-examination is, have you experienced that? Have you experienced a death with Christ? And then old is, is now far apart from you. And now you're living a different life. A new life. There could maybe this is just good news for many of you. There could be more. There could be a bunch more ready and waiting for you. A new life that you can have. Amen. The second thing I want to ask you is this. Um, I, I think that this this no longer being a slave to sin. I think I've uh, been around Christian communities long enough, and and maybe at different times in my own life fell into this. Uh, just kind of this thinking or this group of people where it's just like, oh, well, we're just all sinning and maybe we're not as bad as those guys over there. But man, it's, you know, we're just all kind of stuck in it. And browsers, oh, well, just, yo, just, yeah, I'll just keep on giving in to sin. And, and we're all just sinning and talking about it. And man, there's, there's no way out of it. So, and you might even hear something like, well, you know, Jesus is going to forgive us anyways. And you might hear a phrase like, well, you know, where, where we sin more, grace is going to, you know, come in even higher. And so, you know, let's, let's sin increase. And then, well, grace will increase all the more. If you're honest with yourself, have you ever been there? Like, and you're like, even like thinking through, like, I'll just, you know, just have a little bit of fun and everybody else is doing it. And, you know, we're all just sinners anyways. It, I don't know why I'm doing that voice. <laughs> but I think we, man, that exact phrase, that, that, that whole thing of like, and maybe you've thought that before, that hypothetical like, you know, if I, if I sin more, God's going to forgive me more. So why don't I sin more so that grace could increase even more? That exact phrase, do you know that that exact phrase is literally what prefaces this baptism talk where Paul says this in, in Romans chapter 6? Your homework assignment, if you want one, and many of you do, is to go read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 6 because he literally sets up this hypothetical argument. He says, well, now some of you, you, we all know that Christ will forgive us. Praise God. And so some of you might be thinking, well, 
well, why don't I sin even more so that grace can be even more increased and forgive the sin? And what does Paul say? By no means. He's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And he wakes us up to this reality that, that we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? It's a very serious argument. Paul starts with like, we know we're going to be forgiven. So some people might say, well, just let sin increase so that grace can increase. And he says, no, no, no. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. Why? Because like baptism, we're dead to sin and it's no longer a part of us. And we can have new life and life abundantly and him inside of us working so much so that we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? So let me close with this. We're, we're talking about death and sin and these pretty heady topics. And I want to get just back to the root of that God loves you. Did you know he loves you? And so some of you might be thinking, you know, what's this whole deal with baptism? It's about the death and resurrection. These are theological, heady things. Let me simplify it and just say, God loves you. He calls you to be baptized. He calls you to, to participate in the work that he does inside of you. Why? Well, because he loves you. You know, you ever have a kid ask you, like, why? And you tell them something. You're like, why? And you can tell them the answer to that, why? You tell them the answer to that, why? And well, here's why. You keep asking why, because God loves you. That's why. So Ashley Arnold, she's writing back. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to honor you. But I, anyways, if you know who Ashley is, she's in the back. Would you wave? Hi, Ashley. Um, she's a great mom. She's on staff with New Life Manitou. She does all the details. She's awesome. And it's her birthday today. So tell her happy birthday later. Um, she's a mom of five. And she's getting baptized today. It's a great day for Ashley. Um, and she was talking with her li little Lily. Is she five? Six. She's six years old. And she, they were just talking about baptism and what it is. And little Lily was asking questions. And Ashley got to say, well, because God loves you. That, you know, that's the whole faith, the whole thing, the, you know, all of creation and who we are because God loves you. And she got into this conversation with little Lily and said that God loves you even more than mommy loves you. And little Lily, her eyes got big. So, wow, that must be so much. Think about that. In her little life, like the greatest amount of love that, that she can think of is mom. And the idea that, that God can love her more than that, how precious is that? And so this morning, as we, as we close here, we're going to take communion and going to receive the, the gifts of God. And we do this every Sunday, and there's uh, an invitation to every everybody in here. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't need to be baptized in this church. You don't need to be baptized. You just need to believe in Jesus to be a part of this sacrament. And if you're, if you're seated with, around a basket, the, the communion elements are found in the basket, and I invite you to get one. And as you get one, would you stand with me? The, the band's gonna come up. They're gonna lead us in one more song. The song is, I Will Rise. So would you stand with me? And uh, there's a piece of bread in the top and everyone that believes in Jesus, you're invited to take the bread 
And, and remember the words of Jesus where he says, he is the bread of life. He announces, I am the bread of life. And at the very end of his life, the last night that he has with his fellow followers, disciples, he sits at a table and he takes bread and he breaks it. And if, would you break the bread in your fingers? And he says, my body is going to be broken for you. And so as we remember Christ's body broken for us because he loved us, because we can think about and be united with him in his death, let's receive this bread together. On that same night, Jesus took a cup and he, he talks about his own blood. He says, my blood is gonna be shed for you. And this is a new covenant. This cup is, is lifted up and we remember. He, he, he tells us, remember this cup, remember me. Do this, you know, as we gather together, do this, what we're doing right now in remembrance of him.